Animal Radio. Hal and Judy and Dr. Debbie in Las Vegas, where it must be hot right now. I was a little worried. It's miserable. Yeah? It, oh, what do you yeah. think it is right now, temperature-wise? I think we're probably about 107, although we're supposed to get up around 110 this week. And that's every summer for you, huh? It sure is. It's it just is. a part of life of being in Vegas. <laughs> Now, before uh, before this break, I was a little concerned that maybe you weren't going to make it to the break. You had an emergency. What was going on? Oh, well, we had a very fun young little Labrador by the name of Gulliver uh-huh. who had a little problem. He likes to eat everything. And uh, we believe he actually got into some backyard uh, wild mushrooms. Oh, you mean just growing in the garden, wild mushrooms. Yeah, he came in pretty much on his side, um, very low blood sugar, really in critical condition, and um, a lot of problems, vomiting, a lot of intestinal issues, and uh, some liver issues as well. But uh, he's doing very well, and we're pulling things through. Um, but it's a, definitely a toxicity a lot of people aren't aware of, that your backyard mushrooms can be a danger for your pets. And are they tasty to them? I think there are different flavors. I don't know. Um, I think one of the characteristics Labradors eat everything, so it's kind of a uh, kind of an un, unsolicited joke that most toxicity cases in veterinary medicine are Labradors because they just it doesn't matter if it has a good taste. It's just there. It's prime for the picking. That's what Vlade says. He says Labradors, American Labradors, will eat anything and do anything, pretty much. Yep. Okay, so we got to keep those mushrooms away, those wild mushrooms growing in the garden from your pets. Is it, Do you see a lot of cases like this, or is this uh, uh, kind of a rare occurrence for you? For my area, this is quite unusual, um, but because we have a lot of you know other areas where there's moisture, humidity, if you got a lot of uh, water, um, ponds, things in the area where you have wild mushrooms, and it's not all mushrooms that are toxic, just certain ones, and it's hard to know which ones are the toxic ones. Um, but this was definitely kind of an unusual thing for the Vegas area, so um, we're keeping our eyes open there. Now, how is this treated? Is it do do you have to get the dog to throw up, uh, or do you? I mean, how do you get the the poisons out of his system? Well, if you know that your dog has eaten mushrooms, then you definitely want to treat every potential uh, wild mushroom ingestion as a toxicity. So if possible, we want to get that expelled and induce vomiting. Um, The the unfortunate thing is if we don't know that that's a possibility, that the pet's eaten it, we catch it hours down the road, um, you definitely have to have your pet treated by a veterinarian. Uh, We do kidney support, liver support. Sometimes they actually need blood transfusions and um, controlling seizures and all of this. So um, that's kind of the course we took with uh, little Gulliver. And, uh, you know, he came through and uh, with a lot of diligent uh, emergency care, um, he's doing uh, much better here. Very good. We're glad you have made it. one 405 to talk to Dr. Deb. Have you seen the new animal radio pet ID tag? I have not. I can't say I have. I'm going to hold it up to the microphone right here so you can get it. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. They're very cool. They're a little longer than an inch. They're very light. You could use them on cats or dogs. And they have an ID number on the back that connects to a database with the information that you give them. And then if someone finds him, uh, there's a toll-free number on the back. I know that you've always said this. Besides microchipping, you've got to have something on the outside too, right? Absolutely. Very important because a lot of people that find animals, they don't know if there's a microchip. They're not. They may not be ready to take the animal to a shelter. There's, there should be at least a couple of uh, IDs. I'm giving away these free. I have a thousand to give away free. Would you like one, Doctor Deb? 
I would like two. Okay, I'm going to send two your way. Send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. Yeah, you got to pick up the postage. Otherwise, it's free to you uh, from all of us here at Animal Radio. Uh, send your self-addressed stamped envelope to Post Office Box 197. And that is in Shandon, S-H-A-N-D-O-N, California, 93461. And uh, we'll put all this information, of course, at AnimalRadio.com. If you're driving, we certainly don't want you writing that down right now. You can go to the website, get all the information from the, f- the front page for the first 1,000, uh, 996. <laughs> That, uh, oh, we're going to well, keep a few. Let's go to 990. Here too? Okay, 990. All, for, all from your friends here at Animal Radio. This is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. I've had it done to me. It's not that rough. <laughs> Celebrating our connection with our pets. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. one 405 8405 All the detail about it's me or the dog coming up. That's the big question all week long about the casting call, and that's coming up. Vinny Penn, your party animal on the way. Also, Dr. Debbie White answering your questions. But right now, the world-famous Russian dog wizard, that is Vladi. Hey, Vladi, how you doing? I'm I'm doing very well. You even speak with the Russian accent now. <laughs> How you doing? That's Russian. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Interesting enough, you know. Hell, I am receiving a lot of emails and from the people, and uh, so many people appreciate and love um, the answers and love my show. Of course, the people call me infotainer. They tell me I can cleverly combine information with entertainment. But sometimes people don't understand. I receive one interesting email which says I don't un- I didn't understand what what is your uh, poor bad actor who speaks in the funny Russian accent we're telling. But by the way, do I have any um, accent hell? Do, do you sincerely believe that? You know, I, Interesting enough, when I talk to the people on the phone, sometimes I think they have the accent. I have a hard time to understand them. I think I have just Michigan accent people who are listening to me right now. Yes, I do live in, in Michigan for the 10 years. Very proud about that. It's a great state. Give me a lot of power and strength and popularity in Michigan. Everybody knows Vladi on the streets. People get autographs from me. Uh, but you know what? I don't think I have really... Russian accent. I have a canine accent. That's for sure. I speak Douglas much better than English. And listen, please give us a call at 866-405-8405. Remember, pet owners, every behavior problem in dogs is easy fixable. At least most of them. You just need to know how. 1-866-405-8405. Hi, who's this? This is Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. How are you doing? I'm good. Where are you calling from today? Wheeling, West Virginia. Wheeling, West Virginia. Have you ever been to West Virginia, Vladi? No, I haven't been there. Hi, Ronnie. How are you? Hi, Vladi. I'm good. Sorry, sorry for my uh, Russian accent or Michigan accent, whatever it is. I hope you will understand it. I thought you were from Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know if it takes it as compliment or insult, honestly. I would do it on hell. But, but go ahead. <laughs> what is your question? Well, I guess you could say that my dog can't hold her liquor. She licks and licks and licks. <laughs> she licks people. She doesn't, she doesn't lick herself. She licks people. And uh, I'm a therapist, and I keep her in the office with me. She loves my patients, and they love her. But 
I'm just having the devil of a time to get her to stop licking. I got her when she was 18 months old. I rescued her, and mm-hmm. she's just perfect. She was housebroken, and everything is wonderful, but um, she's four and a half, and, or no, excuse me, she's six and a half. She's six now, and uh-huh. I have not been able to get her to stop licking. Okay, and uh, if, if she, she showed that behavior consistently from the time you've got her, or it just happened yes. uh, recently? no, it's okay. consistent, yep. Okay, okay. And uh, what do you do? I mean, you say you're a therapist. Are you a psychologist, or you just yeah. do physical therapies? No, no, okay. I'm a psychotherapist. You're a psychotherapist. I deal okay. with people's minds. Oh, boy, Ron. You know <laughs> what? You're going to hate to hear that because I sometimes say, you know, the, mo- the, the people who has a subtype of a degree in psychology and such and such, they sometimes complicated issues more than what it is. And You're uh, right. I, yeah, you know, I, it's not nothing toward you because sometimes I, I, when I talk to you, I'm kind of getting from you. You kind of have some different roots, or I don't know if it's Russian roots or European roots. Something can you? Am I right? Russian. Oh boy. Russian. My whole family on both <laughs> sides. Russian all the way back. Wow. Russian ruled the show. Okay. <laughs> but so many people in this field, I, it's my observation, themselves have the most, most misbehaving dogs and most misbehaving kids because, you know, they sometimes complicated this stuff more than this. Let me go back to your problem. So the dogs looking for a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, cases. Yeah. They lick a submission. Uh, they lick as uh, demand for the food from the mommy doggy. Uh, they lick to get the attention um, and so on. In your particular situation, Rani, I think your dog is licking to not just to get affection, and your dog is just demanding for, you know, he's a very nice dog. If it would be like a bully type of the dog, he would be humping people around, and you would have a <laughs> humping problem, you know? And, oh, God. You know, yeah, my dog, one of my dogs, she is so nice, uh, female. She always approached to someone. She lick it first, and if that person accepts her lick, she starts to hump. You know, sometimes dogs like the man. First they lick, after they hump. <laughs> but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you give them inch, they take smile. So it's a very nice way of domination. That's what she does. So where we go from that? Uh, so in other words, it's another language of humping. To okay. get what I want on my terms. So what we're go- how are we going to fix it? You have a couple of possibilities. Number one, stop licking at all. It would be much easier than anything else. Number two, differentiate. Teach her when to lick, when it's not. Let me first teach you how to stop her from licking. Stop her from, from licking can be done very easy. All what you need to do is uh, invest 25 bucks and go to the, your local bicycle shop and get... Uh, product by name uh, bicycle tire inflator it's a very humane device emit air as you push the button just like that you push the button emit the air you aim toward the face toward the bodies and it's just just air just sprays not even sprays just make that sound and it's just and make sure tell her don't tell her no don't tell her no. People, I strongly believe most of the dogs in this country believe the word no is their nickname. 
<laughs> because people use it so many times without any consequences. It's no matter what you say, it's matter what you've done. Use the word ah, which is your growling no, and as you say, you push the button. So you push the button, the dog backs up, you say good girl, and be done with that. Do it five, six times, and win, win those five, six times, and if the dog will consistently show the right behavior, you just reward it positively with a piece of American cheese or kalbasa. Another approach is to teach her lick on command. So encourage her. She licks you, say, good girl, and say, lick, 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 good girl, give her treats. If she licks somebody else, good girl, lick, 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 good girl. She licks, give the treats. And after that, when she licks without command, ah, boom. So eventually, she, you, if you, you want somebody comforting, you can tell her lick. If you don't want, she will not lick without command. That would be my, my approach to your situation, Ronnie. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Vladi. I'll do it. Thank you. Thank you. I like what you said. It's not me. You said, I will do it. Not, you didn't say, I will try. This is the Russian way. You know, we will do it and we will make it. Thank you, Rani. Thank you, Vladi. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. And please, uh, everyone who is listening to us right now, you have a dog who is out of control, please call us at 866-405-8405. This is the Vladi from Animal Radio. Good point. Also on today's show... Dr. Debbie will be answering your medical questions at 1-866-405-8405. It is our pet career special. Thinking of giving up your dumb job to work with animals? We'll have some great ideas for you. It's pretty scary to give up your day job to work with pets. We'll have all the details coming up on today's special show. It is the Pet Career Special brought to you by NAPS, the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Have you been dreaming of a special career that offers great financial rewards? It's also fun. NAPS will help you achieve that dream by providing you with the education and tools you need just by visiting www.petsitters.org. There's more Animal Radio on the way. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Have you been dreaming of that special career that not only offers you great financial rewards, but is also really fun? You've found it. Pet Sitting is becoming one of the fastest-growing home-based businesses in the country today. NAPS, the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters, can help you achieve that dream. NAPS will provide you with the education and tools you need just by visiting www.petsitters.org. That's NAPS at www.petsitters.org. Buddy, don't do that. Don't worry. Lots of dogs eat grass. Didn't you hear? Dogs can get worm infections from eggs and larvae in the grass. Those parasites can even infect humans. I know. That's why I give my dog Safeguard K9 Dewormer twice a year. It's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major intestinal worms that infect dogs and to protect my family against infection. Where can I find out more? Just visit www.safeguard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Hi, I'm Jay Moore, and as a sports fan, I can tell you there's nothing quite better than spending a day in the park playing catch with a beautiful lady. Like Shirley, my dog. Listen, adopt a pet. They are the most loyal companions you will ever have. Visit Pets911.com or call 1-888-PETS-911. Hooray! For more information, go to Pets911.com. Proud to be a partner of Animal Radio. 
Listen to the news. Two dogs rescued from a locked car. Emergencies can happen anywhere, anytime. They can even affect your pets. In other news, a local policeman saved a cat today. Being prepared and knowing what to do can be the difference between life or death for you and your pets. The same Red Cross you know and trust is the leader in pet first aid preparation and education. Look for dog or cat first aid guidebooks with DVDs online at redcrossstore.org or contact your local Red Cross chapter for more information. The Red Cross is helping protect our pets. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Okay, the big question, how can we get the free Animal Radio pet ID tags? I was talking into the wrong end of the mic there. They moved the microphone. They moved <laughs> the, the studio. studios. Yes. The, the whole damn studio. I'm glad I found the studio. Uh, we have the Animal Radio pet ID tags available. They are free to you. They have a number on the back that's registered with a database. If your pet ever gets lost... They can, uh, whoever finds them can call the 1-800 number and immediately know who owns the pet, who's the guardian, who's the daddy. And uh, these are free. All I need from you is a self-addressed stamped envelope. You can send them to Post Office Box 197. That's Animal Radio Network, Post Office Box 197. And that's in lovely Shandon. And that's spelled S-H-A-N-D-O-N. California 93461. We'll put all this information on our website. We have a thousand of these to give away, and uh, they're pretty. They're pretty cool. They are they cool. Pretty cool. Uh, Doctor Debbie's answering our questions at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Hi, who's this? Peter. Hey, Peter. How you doing? I'm doing great, actually. Are you? What's going on yeah. in your world? It says up here on the screen trout. That's all it says. Uh, ah, yes. What's going right. on? Okay, I was I catch a radio show yesterday, and I was actually driving from Phoenix, Arizona, to Redmond, Washington, mm-hmm. and um, I have some trout. Yeah. Uh, now these are these are pet trout. Yeah. Well, yeah, they've been pets now for the last two years. Pets. Hmm. How, how do you get trout as pets? <laughs> okay, uh, I, w- I went out camping with my family one day uh, in Arizona, up in the mountains, and. Uh, we were out there messing around, and somebody forgot to uh, put the roast beef and turkey in the cooler. So it went bad the next day, so we threw it in the river for the fish to eat. Uh-huh. The wow. fish went crazy and went nuts over it, and so we were messing around, and I got in the water, and I was letting the food go down by my legs. It was down by my legs, the fish all swam around, and some of them swam in, swam in my shorts. Oh, you got to be careful about that. So we, we cl- I closed off my shorts and uh, scooped them up and... Tickled home. So I have about eight trout at home in a tank. Who are they? So I have like uh, five browns and three rainbows. How big were they? Uh, they were probably four or five inches. And wow. now? Uh huh. How big are they now? Uh, how big are they now? They're about six to eight inches now. The biggest one eight is eight inches. And how long have you had them? For two years so far. Two years. I don't know what the life expense is. Now, Dr. Debbie, you see a lot of strange animals because you are in Las Vegas. Of course, you have uh, all the shows there with their animals. Uh, a lot of strange animals in Las Vegas. Do you know anybody that's had trout as a pet? 
I do not know anybody who's kept trout as pets, although my husband is an avid fisherman and he loves bass. So we have had this conversation extensively about keeping bass as pets and setting up a 100-gallon tank and meeting their needs and making sure we fed them appropriately. So this is actually something that isn't too foreign for me, although I don't think I've really had any clients with pet trout yet so this would be the first <laughs> well, how, how long would they live do you have any idea how, how long well, according to the fish hatchery they said that um they're in spawning and eating range in two years wow so spawning from when they years and so they could they're supposed to be spawning but i think they're too small for it mm. and what kind of environment do you keep these guys in well, I had them in a 100-gallon tank at the house, and basically what I did is I, I made this, I, I had this invention that I, that I built. It's called a fish tank vacuum. It basically looks like a uh, an, an egg that you have fine pantyhose in, you know, those leg pantyhose eggs. Uh-huh. Okay, And yeah. it floats around the tank, and it cleans up all the gunk, because trout are dirtier than goldfish. Oh, wow. yeah, so they are filthy. It cleans it out, yeah, it totally cleans it all out, and I don't use charcoal filters. I just have uh, quartz rocks. A redwood log in there, sand and water, and I you know and I feed them palm, uh, pond food, uh, some roast beef and turkey because they like it, <laughs> and sometimes sometimes I give them um, uh, fruit roll ups. Wow. Well, that oh, balances yeah. I, their I, diet. I've been doing a lot of experimenting. Uh, trout love fruit roll ups. You want to go fishing? Take a little piece of fruit roll up on a, on a hook. They'll snag that in a heartbeat. Oh. Oh my goodness! It's uh, much more so, humane bait. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goes, and, you know, you, you can eat it. And they get to eat it. Now, and that'd be the question I have. These are pets. You don't have any anticipation of them becoming anything Food? grilled no. anytime soon. No, 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 no. These are just pets. But my biggest concern is that I, you know, I just moved here last night from uh, uh, Arizona to Redmond, Washington, and um, I brought them over in my car in. Uh, um, in a styrofoam um, uh, cooler, so okay. uh, so I, I had a, uh, an, an air pump in there, so I had air pump constantly being pumped in it as I'm driving on the road. And good. So they had the air, they had the water, they had their food. Everything's cool with that. I'm just worried about when I take them out in this type of environment. What are right. they like getting ready for? Exactly. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of the important things, the aeration during travel, which is, is yeah. definitely very important. It's, and I'm, I'm assuming you kept... And they're what? They're not, they are not in shock at all. Good. And when you transported them, I'm assuming you used the existing tank water uh, when you were no, transporting I just, them? Um, I, I took, I took their, their tank water. Correct. Yeah, that's why I want to make sure because that's really oh, yeah. important is to use what's in their immediate environment. Um, it's kind of hard to transport. I filled about a gallon of it of normal normal water because a gallon of it splashed out on some turns. Oh, I'd imagine. <laughs> so the the hard part is going to be to make sure that you when you set up your tank in that new environment is that you try to mimic as much as you can to what was existing in the old environment. Um, so some of that would be, you know, this is an indoor tank, I'm assuming? Yeah. Okay, so the indoor environment, the basic temperature zone that you have in the home is kind of what we're shooting for. And assuming that you moved most of the equipment, um, then you should be hopefully able to mimic that. Did you move the the heating so source and all of that water, type? The water and the fish. 
that's all you got. Yeah, okay. because I, I figured when I got here, I can get, an, get a new tank or whatever. Okay, yeah. And the big thing is when you definitely switch over and you add water in there, just like with anyone who does keeps aquariums, you need to make sure to let the water sit out for a good 24 or 48 hours or uh-huh. to use the dechlorinators um, before you no. actually put the, no, no put the fish in there. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Good for us to drink, but not good for our uh, fish to uh, drink in the tank. So that would be one uh-huh. of the most important things that I'd make sure. And then to make sure that you're also using things. Don't bring in anything from the wild environments as of yet. You need them to get acclimated to the tank. Don't bring in any kind of... Uh, uh, river rocks or any logs from the nearby ponds and things. We want to get them acclimated to your new tank first. Um, and because those things can bring in sources of uh, bacteria, parasites, things like that. So you want to kind of um, just try to get them steady and settled in into the new home. Okay. All right. So just basically get the wa- use the water here and their tank water to get the, the water set first. And then have the fish get acclimated to that. And then when that happens, then introduce the the other rocks and and logs and sand, right? Yeah. Now, and then, have you had um, aquarium fish when you were younger? Oh, yeah. I've, I've had fish all my life, but these do not act like aquarium fish at all. They're, for one, they're hardier, and two, they're very, very particular. Like, I, I actually had to use sand. Uh, I, went down, I went down to the hardware store and bought sand and had to use sand for the river bottom. Uh, that's why I couldn't use um, a normal fil- uh, filter. I had to take the, the had to take the charcoal the charcoal filters out because the charcoal filters is making the water too clean. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's good then. If you're getting sand from a, a, a source like that, that's a clean source, and, and you're not picking it up somewhere um, from oh, the okay. environment. That's yeah. the kind of things. Okay. Very important. But now I, I should still add that after the fish get acclimated to the water up here. No, that you'll want to have set. Um, I was just uh, referring to any kind of structure, anything like that that you put in there. Um, the biggest thing is I'd say get them acclimated to the water, get them acclimated to the tank, and a substrate within there, and get your um, get your aeration going, get your circulation going. Um, and don't be too surprised if they're going to act a little freaky and um, as they get settled in. Um, now, a lot about of times, the, the altitude and all. Is that going to be the, like cause, you know I'm a totally different longitude, two thousand five hundred miles up. It's two different uh, longitudes. Yeah, you know, and I honestly, I don't know that uh, I've studied the effect of altitude differences in fish, although 2,000 feet I couldn't imagine would be too much of a change, whereas if you were going up to a higher, like a more mountainous type environment. So I honestly don't know that, but um, the big thing I'd be watching for them is to see if, you know, they're hanging around at the surface a lot, um, any abnormal breathing patterns, if they're doing any kind of gasping. But for something like that, that's going to be really hard to try to acclimate them um, to an altitude to change. That's going to be making sure everything else is as stable as you can um, and make their world as quiet as possible as you're getting them acclimated. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Very neat. So did you name any of these fish? Do they have names? Uh, no. We, we've never named them. We were go- oh, we know that there's one girl out of the bunch uh, because after we first caught them for about the first few weeks, okay, great, we got eight of them. This is really cool. And for almost ten months in a row, we can only count seven. Uh, seven. And we couldn't find the third, we couldn't find the eighth body. And then about a month ago, uh, we found the eighth body because at three o'clock in the morning, and I've realized at three o'clock in the morning, they separate. The browns will go to one side of the tank and the rainbows will go to the other side of the tank. And I was like, oh, cool. there they are. All eight of them. Five browns, three rainbows. Wow. 
I'd have to say, Peter, you're going to have to write a... You'll have to write a little uh, story app about this to share with other pet owners who might be looking for alternative pets and the, some of the behaviors of the, the trout. That's fascinating. Fun stuff there, Peter. Thanks for sharing it with us. Uh, thank you very much. one 405 for Dr. Debbie right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, A British woman who thought the vibration she was feeling was her cell phone was surprised to find the vibrations coming from her bra. And even more surprised to find the vibrations coming from a baby bat. 19-year-old Abby Hawkins wore the bra for five hours while working as a hotel receptionist before finding the baby bat. She said she was shocked but felt bad for disturbing the cuddly bat who looked cozy and comfortable, adding she perhaps could have left it in there and given him a good home. Hmm. Hawkins doesn't know how the bat got in there. She said she had had a drink or two the night before and got dressed quickly that morning. The bra was in a drawer but had been on the clothesline the day before. The bra bat, which had scampered under a desk, was captured by a co-worker and set free. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Bobby Hill for Animal Radio. California's Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger signed a bill that would make it possible for pet owners to have their final wishes followed legally. California was one of the few states that did not enforce the arrangements of deceased pet owners. SB 685 changed all that. The bill makes pet trust enforceable by law, providing the legal basis to make certain pets are cared for and safeguarded even after the death of their human owner. The law goes into effect January 1st of 2009 and allows courts to appoint a caregiver as well as enforce the final wishes and instructions found in wills without the need or approval of trustees. America is a big country, not just in size, but in weight. Nearly one-third of Americans are obese, including nine million children who will experience health problems as they age. Sadly, America's pets are tipping the scales more than they should. The campaign to end obesity wants to help people and their pets trim down. Partnering with the Harvard Medical Center, they've come up with the Pet Fit Challenge. Any pet owner can shape up with their furry companion by making a commitment to feed their pets the correct portion of food as well as the right food. Dr. Heidi Holland of Pet Fit says, quote, People will give their pet an ounce of cheese as a treat and not think much of it. But for a cat, that's the equivalent of a human eating three and a half hamburgers. For a dog, one and a half hamburgers, end quote. The Pet Fit Challenge's goal is to help American pets shed 50 million pounds this year. To find out how you and your pet can get in better shape, log on to PetFit.com. A three-year-old African gray parrot is being called a hero after saving his London owners from a fire. Bob the parrot began squawking loudly last Thursday morning when a fire broke out in the kitchen of Francis Hall's home in Fair Oak, Hampshire. The bird became more frantic, which woke Hall and his two sons, who barely escaped the blaze, along with Bob in his cage. Hall and his sons were treated for smoke inhalation, and the early morning blaze did some serious damage to their home, but not to them, thanks to Bob. Hall told the Sun newspaper, quote, I used to find Bob very annoying with his growling and squawking, but not now. He is a legend. He saved our lives. We just got out in time, end quote. Hall said he's going to find a mate for Bob as a reward. I'm Bobby Hill for Animal Radio. Get more breaking animal news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
Remember, the advice you hear on today's show is for entertainment purposes only. Please be sure to consult your own vet regarding your pet. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And our pet career special is brought to you by NAPS, the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Have you been dreaming of that special career that offers great financial rewards? It's also fun. NAPS will help you achieve that dream by providing you with the education and tools you need just by visiting www.petsitters.org. Now, Judy, you kind of fell into the animal world. You were, you were a, what, a legal secretary? I was a legal assistant for, gosh, close to 20 years. And now you're working for the number one animal show. Boy, what a turnaround. It really is. There are so many jobs out there. When you say jobs uh, in the pet world, a lot of people immediately think of, well, veterinarian, the obvious ones. Pet sitters. Pet sitters becoming a big career. Lots of money in that. We actually brought an expert on. This lady, Valerie. Is Valerie there? Oh, hi, Valerie. How are you doing? Valerie I'm Young here. joining us. I'm here. Where are we calling you today? You are calling me in Montague, Massachusetts, a little what's called a little hill town in western Massachusetts. Beautiful, it sounds like. It is. You've sort of devoted your life to changing course, changing careers, maybe midstream and deciding to go somewhere else and, and having the guts to do it, haven't you? Absolutely. Well, it's not just going somewhere else. It's going, <laughs> being your own boss. It's, uh-huh. it's really specifically for people who want to work at what they love, but to make a living without a traditional job job. And there's lots of jobs in the pet worlds. So I'm wondering if you could, uh, I'm going to get a pencil over here and a pen. Just a pencil and paper. I really only need a. Yeah, we only need one writing implement, yes. and take down some notes here. What are some cool careers for pet lovers? Well, I think it kind of starts with the pet lover. You know, cause it's really about kind of shaping and creating what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you want you always want to start with you know what do I want my life to look like? Because if what you want is to work at home, for example, or mm-hmm. if you want to work. Uh, I don't know, you know, on the coast of Maine in the summer and in Costa Rica in the winter, then you, you know, you probably don't want to start something that's going to be a retail operation, for example, that's going to kind of lock you into a place. So think about what do you want your life to look like, and then from there you can start building ideas for ways you can, you know, work with, with, with pets in a way that kind of works for you. Uh, and then so you want to think about what do I want, then the second question would be what do I have. So what are your gifts and interests? You know, what do you love to do? Because one person might, for example, you know, just about anything that you can do with people, you can find a way to do with animals. Meaning, if, if your gift is sewing and you're very creative, there are people who have little businesses making, you know, little clothes, you know, sweaters for dogs. Uh-huh. You know, if, you're, if your gift is cooking and baking, you know, then you might have a little bakery operation. And there's a, a woman I, I actually I interviewed out in New Mexico who's a dog chef who has this 40 style diner uh, out at, in Arizona I believe actually mm-hmm. and her biggest income stream is traveling around the country teaching people how to cook for their for their dogs. So you you sort of reverse engineer your career path by finding what you're good at and then applying it to animals that way or to pets that way. Yeah, exactly. And the, the only the only caveat I would add, uh, Helen, it's important because a lot of people 
focus on what they're good at. Yeah. And and I'm really good at typing and mowing the lawn. Uh-huh. You know, but that doesn't mean I want to do it. So we get uh-huh. tracked because somebody says, "Oh, you know, you're good at math or science, or you're good with numbers, and you, you kind of go down this path, and you get locked into this job that you may not really love. Nice. So it's, it's, you want to think about what do you love, you know, what are you passionate about, because you, you can get the skills, pick mm-hmm. up the skills along the way. Okay, what, what pet jobs, I know there's pet sitters out there, that might be something uh, for somebody who enjoys being with different animals throughout yep. the day, but can't have their, can't have a dozen animals of their own at home. Right. Yeah. Right, so there, there's that. There's, um, you know, pet photography, uh-huh. for example. I mean, and pet photography is very big right now. And it's getting bigger. It is getting bigger, yeah. People, you know, people love to have these portraits of their pets, and some people turn them into then, you know, paintings. So there are pet painters, which is, you know, different than photography, but in that same kind of genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have space, you know, when, when you ask yourself the question, what do I have?, you know, you want to look at your, your gifts, your interests, your passions, to an extent, your skills, but also any assets. So an asset might come in the form of land. You know, if you have a big farm or you have a lot of space, mm-hmm. there's this woman up in Morris, New York, uh, Lillian Goodrich, and she's got, she runs the Glen Highland Farm Canine Country Camp. Wow. <laughs> she's got 175 acres up there, and she runs these summer camps. It's $1,300 a week. Mm-hmm. Not including lodging, mm-hmm. and she always sells out. I bet. Yeah, they do all the, these training, you know, herding and tracking and frisbee, you know, with, with the dog. So she's got this whole operation going. But she couldn't do that if she was living in Manhattan. No, that wouldn't work very well. Uh, a lot of these careers are uh, either home based or you're the boss. Are some people not cut out for being their own boss? Oh, absolutely. I think you need to kind of know yourself. Uh, you know, and, and know what's you know what's right and what's going to work for you. But I also think that people make it bigger and more mysterious than it really is. Uh-huh. And a lot of these businesses, you can start while you still have your your traditional job job. That's why you know my my website is changingcourse.com. It's not jumpoffacliff.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm very I'm I'm a hopeless optimist optimist, but I'm also a realist. Yeah. Well, when I started with Animal Radio, I kept my day job and I went down to my day job at 4 days a week, 3 days, and eventually I was down to working outside the Animal Radio for one day a week before I finally let go. So I did it gradually. Is that what you exactly. suggest for most people to do it gradually? Because going from uh, a, a regular steady paycheck and benefits and insurance and changing course really can be a very scary thing. It, it can be. But you know what? Here's, what I've, here's the conclusion I've come to, Hal. If you're afraid, that's actually good news. Okay. Why it's good news is because you know it's possible. Okay. You know, because if you didn't think it was possible, you'd have nothing to fear. Like, I'm not afraid of becoming a heroin addict because I know it's not possible. Mm. But if somebody said, you know, we're thinking about having you on Oprah, that's like, oh, my God, now I'm afraid. Because <laughs> I know that might, you know, that could happen. That's within the realm of possibility. So fear is not always a bad thing. But and here's the thing people need to think about who are going to start a small business. And you can have your job and do a small business. You can have two kind of income streams. But, you know, uh, uh, one of the... Uh, I'm trying to remember who first said this quote. I think it was Barbara Winter who wrote Making a Living Without a Job, is that the American tax system is set up to benefit the very wealthy and the Mm self-employed. So, yeah, there's the insurance and all those pieces, but it's 100% tax deductible, your premiums, and there's just lots of deductions. So if you take a course on how to become a pet photographer, you can deduct the cost of that course. If you're buying books, if you're going through any kind of training program, artist supplies, 
your website. You know, whatever's involved, those are all tax deductions. Your home office, for that matter. Very good. I have some ideas right there. I'm thinking I cook. You know I cook a lot. I really enjoy cooking. Yes. And I'm thinking I can make biscuits or treats or some kind of dog treats and maybe even sell them around here. Oh, just a little extra money because, you know, being a radio host really doesn't cover the bills. <laughs> Not even half. But we get well, the free perks like milk bones. <laughs> that's right. But also, you know, that why the whole um, food industry has grown tremendously for dogs because there was the whole threat from mm. China. Mm-hmm. So people spend money on, you know, organic food and, and treats and... You know, so you could also, then you could branch out, how, and then you could do cooking classes. And yeah. then when you get really good, you can do a, an e-book on how to start your own home bakery for dogs. <laughs> wow. It's There's endless. There's a lot of ideas there, a lot of great ideas. We appreciate your time. The website, changingcourse.com, and it's Valerie Young's website. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show at animalradio.com. Valerie, thank you so much for joining us. My great pleasure, and my dog, Cokie Roberts, thanks you, too. I, no relation to the journalist. <laughs> no relation to the journalist. His name was Pokey at the shelter, so oh. I changed it. <laughs> Give him a hug from all of us. <laughs> I will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio. And remember how very, very important it is to spay or neuter your pet. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by NAPS and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Let NAPS help you achieve your dream of a financially rewarding and fun job by providing you with the education and tools you need by visiting www.petsitters.org. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just by eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Protect your dog and your family by deworming your dog twice a year with Safeguard Canine Dewormer. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E hyphen G-U-A-R-D dot com. Listen to the news. Two dogs rescued from a locked car. Emergencies can happen anywhere, anytime. They can even affect your pets. In other news, a local policeman saved a cat today. Being prepared and knowing what to do can be the difference between life or death for you and your pets. The same Red Cross you know and trust is the leader in pet first aid preparation and education. Look for dog or cat first aid guidebooks with DVDs online at redcrossstore.org. Or contact your local Red Cross chapter for more information. The Red Cross is helping protect our pets. Hi, it's me, Brinkley, the Bernese Mountain Dog and CEO and founder of Brinkley Books Incorporated. Why don't you come visit my website, www.brinkleybooks.com. Be my friends and spend a day in the life of Brinkley. Order a copy of my first book, The Tales of Brinkley, The Burner, the beginning of which I will personally potograph. More tales are coming this year. Give it of the heart. And remember, think brink. Hey, you want to keep a secret from your dog? It's the new fish sticks from Canine Caviar. They're good for your dog's teeth, gums, and also his achy joints. And fish sticks from Canine Caviar are 100% natural, completely digestible, and contain no chemical preservatives, additives, or fillers, and they're low in calories. But don't tell your dog that. All they care about is that they taste good. Get your dog fish sticks at caninecaviar.com. That's www.caninecaviar.com. one 405 8405 It's Alan Judy and Animal Radio. 
And we just got in. We've been talking about these these ID tags, and they're free for you. All you need to do is send us a uh, self-addressed stamped envelope, and I'll give you the address in just a second. These are ID tags that have a special number on them that you can correlate with a database. If someone finds them, they can immediately identify whose pet it is and who it belongs to. And these are free. We, of course, encourage you to have both a microchip and uh, some kind of visible ID on your pet. These are nice. We just got these in. Awesome. I'm going to keep a few if that's okay with you. Okay. Ziggy. Did you hear about Ziggy? I did. Ziggy is an eight-pound Pekingese dog, and he is a painter. You know, we hear about this occasionally, the painting animals. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Ziggy's doing it for charity, and we have Ziggy's mom, is it? Elizabeth Manatelli on the phone. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Hi. How are you? Very well. Where are we calling you today? I'm in Fallbrook, California. Fall Is that northern? Uh, San Diego County. Is that very southern? Okay. Very, a beautiful day there, as it always is, I'm sure. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's about 75 here today. Uh, wonderful. Now, tell us about Ziggy. Um, Ziggy is eight pounds, as you said, and he's three years old, and he has been painting since 2007, Uh just about a year, and he started this because one of his favorite hobbies is to play with a paper towel roll. Oh. And the second hobby that he has is he loves listening to music. Oh, good. And I kind of combined these two aspects together. Uh, I got the idea from my dad, who is a former school teacher, and he used to have his students paint to classical music. Uh-huh. And I kind of did a little experiment and see if this would work with Ziggy, and it just kind of took off, and he absolutely loves to paint. Well, how did you introduce him to it? Did you just trade the paper towel roll for a paintbrush? Um, what I do is I cut off a portion of the paper towel roll and I tape it to the end of a paintbrush for an extension so he grips on to the end of the paper towel roll. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. And uh, did, I guess the first one might have been a little bit messy. Uh, yes. <laughs> he gets just a little bit on his fur, but he's improving on that lately. Well, I'm looking at some of it right now, and, you know, we see a lot of animal artwork here, and i got to tell you, this is some. I like this. <laughs> I lo- love the much. colors. I this is uh, definitely. It's very beautiful. I'd have this hanging in the studio. This picture that I have here. Now, uh-huh. He's doing this for charity. What's the deal? Uh, a portion of his proceeds go to a specific dog rescue, and it's in Palm Springs. It's called Forget Me Not Peak Rescue. Okay. And we do do some charity. Uh, we appear for different pet organizations. Uh, to uh, support their adopting efforts. Now, well, you were in the Celebration of the Arts Festival in Yorba Linda in June? Yes, that was on June 1st, and he was the first and only dog artist to have his artwork exhibited in the history of the festival. Ooh, wow. ooh I like yeah. that. Maybe he's uh, he's going to open doors for other uh, furry creatures and their artwork at these festivals. Oh, I hope so. Okay. You have uh, his artwork. Is is it available for sale at uh, this website, liondogart.tripod.com? Yes, and it's also available at myspace.com slash liondogart. Okay, and of course, we'll link to everything you've heard on today's show at animalradio.com. Elizabeth Monacelli. I just like saying your name. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Monacelli. Oh, perfect. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Will you go give Ziggy a big old hug from all of us, okay? Oh, I sure will. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. 
And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And you can email Vlade all during the week at Vlade, V-L-A-D-A-E, at AnimalRadio.com. Or call us all during the week at 1-866-405-8405. That phone works all week long, and it's working now. Hi, who's this? This is Bob. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Just fine, thank you. Where are you calling from? Well, I'm actually on the road. Uh, I'm a trucker, and I'm just uh, heading from St. Louis to Oklahoma City. St. Louis to Oklahoma City. A, a shorter drive. Yeah, it, it, it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to pay the bills. Well, you're on with the world-famous Russian dog wizard, Vlade. Hi, Bob. Vlade, my man, how are you? Good, 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 good. So, uh, thank you for calling us. Uh, you enjoying the show? Absolutely. I, I listen to it all the time when I'm on the road. Got an XM satellite hook up here in my, my truck and never miss your show. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's what I would like to hear, especially my boss, Hale, needs to hear that. It's, <laughs> so he would tell me, good boy! <laughs> How can I help you? Sure, sure. Uh, I have a, a French bulldog. His name's Churchill. He's over a year and a half uh, oh, old. Boy, French. And okay. He uh, he has a problem. He always he always has had a problem. French bulldogs that are dumb. <laughs> That's not very okay, nice to say. I okay, go ahead. <laughs> he uh, he's always had a problem with barking out the at the window, out the window at people walking by, or you know, just in general, coming to the house, especially jumping on them, barking, and trying to even nip at their at their hands and whatnot. Okay. Uh, but I, the interesting story I have is it happened a couple of weeks ago. The, it was a really bad situation. Um, I had just gotten home from being on the road, and I was tired and dirty, and, and I went upstairs to take a shower. And in the meantime, one of my good friends came over, saw that I was home, and mm-hmm. I rang the bell, and I didn't answer because I was in the shower, so he just let himself in. Well, okay. Churchill did his uh, normal routine, barking, jumping, barking, but he did one step further. He bit him uh, quite severely. Wow. And where he bit him and how bad it was? Um, I, I'm not sure if I can really say this on national radio. Um <laughs> Bob, uh, you are with the Volari, and on my show you can say everything. Just t- t- tell it as it is. Okay. He bit him in the penis. Oh, wow. Oh. Wow. Yes. And how, how badly it was. Oh. Well, we had to get him to the hospital, the emergency room, and he received five stitches. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Bob, I, I I really don't know what to say, and if it's make a joke, I, you know, or uh, you know, it's it's a really bad situation. It's a really bad situation. Um, boy, bite the man for the penis. I don't know about you, but my legs, my I, this is instinctual. My legs, I won't I won't be able to get my knees apart now. I'm just um, I don't know about you, Dave. Got, uh, uh, no French bulldog. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what what. He's okay what my now, wife and, do. And, and, he, and he is still my friend, so... Good. Oh, it's okay. I don't know what my wife would do to that dog. If that dog bite me to the penis, but you have to know my wife to understand that. Bob, what I would do in your situation... Yeah, 
You will, you will, uh, hell, uh, you can laugh it or not. You will see, you will see her soon. You will understand what I'm talking about. She's the alpha female. Okay. You know? Okay. Somebody bite me or for that part, you know, you're the dead dog. Um, Bob, uh, I, what I would do for you first, uh, it's a really serious situation, and uh, I would be focusing first of diminishing your dog's uh, social status. I would, I, what I learned, if you will do two things right, number one, stop the dog from barking in your house like Russian AK, AK-47 downtown Beirut, and number two, if I stop your dog from pulling on the leash, I would be able to cut off 50% of your problems, and after that, I will bring the people in your house, but I want to make sure I put your dog or behind the barrier or better off in the crate prior to letting the people come in. So when the people come in, okay, and he barks at them, I would do um, I would do a couple of things. I maybe I maybe will use the product that calls uh, tire inflator from C- it's CO2 f- uh, tire inflator. You can get it any uh, bicycle shop. It works like like this. Or you can use uh, air horn to startle him f- f- uh, so he would not bark at the people. Do you know what air horn means, Bob? I sure do. Uh, I use mine all the time, but it, it's attached to my truck, however. Okay. So, <laughs> so, okay. So, so one of those two things will really stop him from barking. And after that, the person can approach and give him, give him some treats. For instance, he can give him American cheese, Russian kalbasa. Oh, you know, Bob, I have a better idea. I would love you to go to the pet store and get bullet stick. I know the great company by name, Moo. They're making the best bullet sticks on, in the market. You know what the bullet stick means? No, I don't. It's like, okay, it's a bully, it's a bully penises. Oh. It comes in different sizes. Oh, sorry, but, but, but that's truth, you know? So in, so what I would like to do, stranger coming in, you put him in the crate. If he barks at him, you startle him. Now, he, he's all attention on you. The person is the good cop. You're the bad cop. And person approaching, giving him delicious, that uh, bully penis. So instead of him biting the human penis, he can have a cow penis. That's the idea. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it will. It definitely will work. So again, I will startle him. If he barks, I would use a compressed air device, or I will use air horn. He will really, really stop and look at you and say, "What did I do wrong, Daddy?" From that time, you put him in the crate. You allow the people come in, and the people will give him uh, the best, delicious things he can get: treats, uh, cheese, kalbasa, bullet steak, whatever it is. And you can do it with different people. After that, instead of crate, you can put him in the dog bed. And he lay down in the dog bed and allow the people come in and do the same thing. So eventually he will see those people as the good news bringer, not the bad news bringer. You're the bad cop. They're the good cop. That's that's going to be a solution to your situation. Bob, we're really, really enjoying you. Uh, you are the great man. And thank you for stepping in and telling your story. It's a bad story, but I'm, I'm confident you will have a positive result of that story. Thank you, buddy. It is a tough story to tell, but... You cannot take the chance because we have just one penis in our life. What is-
866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating our connection with our pets. Vlade, the world-famous Russian dog wizard, is on the way in just a few minutes. Getting your calls in queue. Uh, Dr. Debbie right now. Oh, lots of calls about the Animal Radio tags. You just finished putting them on all the cats. They're, they're small. You can actually put them on cats. They're cute little tags that'll fit right on their collars. And they have a, an ID number that's... Uh, related to a database, they can be easily found through a 1-800 number. Someone who finds them doesn't need to find an Internet connection to hook you two up. And these are free to you. All you need to do is send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. And the address, once again, is Post Office Box 197, Shandon, California, 93461. All that information at AnimalRadio.com. Uh, doctor, are you ready to take another call? I sure am. Let's bring him on. Hi, who's this? Hi, it's Glenn. Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Uh, California. Big state. Where? <laughs> San Diego. A lot of calls today from San Diego, California. Uh, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Uh, hi, doctor. Uh, I have a hey, how are you doing today? Good. Um, what can I help you with? It's kind of weird. My dog is, like, rubbing his bottom on the ground. Oh. Uh, you know, just kind of pushing along every now and then it'll be, you know it's kind of it's just weird okay what kind of dog do you is he uh it's a shih tzu shih tzu and what's the baby's name uh his name is tucker and uh, has tucker done this very long is this something new for him uh something he just started okay do you keep him clipped is he a um a groom dog or do you have him in full haircoat uh he's actually trimmed pretty short surprisingly how old is he? Uh, he's 10. 10? So you've had him for a good spell then, huh? Yeah, I, I haven't seen him do this before. Is there any kind of discharge, any color that you're seeing, any blood, anything unusual down when, on the floor area when he's actually doing that scooching? Uh, not that I've noticed. Okay. Well, is the first thing that really comes to... For? Yeah, that's definitely something to look. And, you know, one of the first things I would do is step up behind him. And if he permits this, is I would kind of lift up that tail area uh -huh. and look right at his butt. Uh -huh. As unpleasant as that sounds, we want to look there um, because... Um, around a dog's anal area, they do have some glands, and they're scent glands. And um, basically, they're the same type of gland that any carnivore would have. So a skunk has glands that stink, and so do dogs, and so do cats. And they're located right around the anal area. And they're located right about, I'd say, about the 4 o'clock and about the 7 o'clock area. If you look at the behind as a, as a clock. <laughs> my, my, my dog is a skunk and a clock. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, any kind of uh, thing that helps visualize these things. Yeah, okay. When you're, when you're looking at the target and you're looking there, you want to look off to either side. If you see any redness, any swelling, and, or any kind of open sore, that is something that would give us a clear indication that we have an anal gland uh, problem and potentially an infection. Uh. Now, some dogs with anal gland issues, they're, they're a gland that doesn't really do much of anything. They're really just pretty much a scent gland. And, um, you know, when dogs scoot like that, they're trying to relieve the itch. Um, so you definitely want to have your pet evaluated with a veterinarian, and they'll do a nice rectal exam, put on a latex glove, check those out. And maybe we'll be lucky, and maybe all Tucker will need is just to have those glands emptied, um, which for a lot of dogs does have to be done fairly regularly. 
Um, some groomers are, do that as a maintenance type thing. So that's why I was kind of asking you before if you took them groomed, to get them groomed, because a lot of that maintenance work, many uh, groomers are very comfortable doing. And, you know, it's possible because we've just stopped taking them in on a regular basis. So maybe that's what the deal is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if they've been doing that successfully and we're not keeping that up, then definitely that could play a role. That's probably you know, something I never really thought about doing myself. And no, you know, and I've had many clients ask me, is this something I can learn to do? Can, can you teach me? And I've had a few people that have the heart and the will to try. And it's, it can be done. It's just, uh, I don't know. I'm a pet owner myself, and it's, it's not something I like to look at my dog children and say, come here, let me take care of that for you. Um, it's sometimes, I think, something a professional, um, it's best to not have that uh, breakdown in your uh, relationship there. Okay, so leave it to the professionals. Dr. Debbie is with us at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. I can't get that right. The microphone's over here. <laughs> oh, it seems so simple. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Hi, who's this? This is Glenn. Hi, Glenn. Didn't we just have a caller from a Glenn? We did. Oh, two Glens in a row. Where are you calling from? <laughs> I'm calling from Caldwell, New Jersey. Okay, new, two two different sides of the country there. Uh, you are on with Dr. Debbie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hey. Hi, how are you uh, today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fabulous. What kind of pet Great. do you have? I have a 16-year-old pound cat. He's okay. all gray. Uh, that's the best I can tell you about because I don't know a whole lot of, of, about the kinds, but he's lovable, but he's, uh, the past year has been throwing up probably at least maybe three or four times a week, sometimes even more. Um, mm-hmm. Took him to our vet and did the blood work and uh, an exam, and, and everything came up okay, but um, still there's a concern that he does eat, but he does throw up quite often. And, and when he's vomiting, what is he bringing up? Uh, lots of liquid, um, uh, mostly digested food, some hair, but I would say most of it is liquid. Okay. And does he still have an interest in food? Is he liking? Is he having oh, an appetite? No, he has, yeah, he has a, a great appetite, but he's skinny. Okay. Was he? Did, has he always been skinny, or is, was he used to be a, yeah, a chubby fellow? No, no, no. I think he's always been pretty skinny. Okay. And I don't know if, and, if 15, 16 years old is getting towards the end of his run, but... Well, not necessarily anymore, because um, I think there's been a lot of great advances in veterinary medicine. And, you know, a 15-year-old cat nowadays, um, you know, isn't the same thing as, you know, many, many years ago, you know, 8- to 10-year-old cat, I think, um, we perceived as an old pet. Um, But there's a lot of other things we can do diagnostic-wise, and and there's probably a lot of things we can look at. Um, And I didn't catch your, your kitty's name. What's your kitty's name? Max. Max. Oh, yes, the most popular pet name. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. <laughs> well, no, after the last visit, and that was about a year ago, maybe maybe a little longer, uh, we put him on uh, either Science Diet or Imes uh, Sensitive Stomach Formula. And okay. I, I'm, I'm actually not even sure if that, that seemed to help. I don't know if that's 
me wanting it to help or not, <laughs> you know, thinking uh-huh. it actually did. Um, but he's on, it's not like he's on, uh, grocery store, grocery store food. He's on, I think, pretty good food. Mm-hmm. He, do, he doesn't and go outside. Okay. Uh, so I don't know if it's, uh, the vet at the time after the blood work was done said that, uh, he might just be an overzealous cleaner and the hair is irritating his stomach. Um, I just, you know, want to know that that's really, it's not that big of a concern. It is to me, of course. Oh, absolutely, especially if you're cleaning that up all the time. (laughs) Oh, yeah, my wife's none too happy about that. Oh, golly. Well, you know, I'm not sure what exactly your veterinarian has done and checked for, but I can tell you a couple of the things that in a cat of that age that I'd I'd really be concerned about. And especially since you mentioned that, you know, Max is on the the thin side, um, I'd want to make sure that they evaluated things like his kidneys, his thyroid level. Um, okay. And make sure his liver is good too, because those are all types of conditions that in an older cat can start to cause not only weight loss, but some vomiting signs as well. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's something that you could recall that they've evaluated. Uh, I recall the kidneys, uh, and I believe the liver as well, but, uh, you know, it was a while ago, uh, so I'm not completely sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'd make and sure the, that, the, you know. The blood work did come up all. Whatever they did do, the blood work came up clean. Okay. Well, definitely I'd also make sure that they do address the, the thyroid because hyperthyroidism is an older cat disease. And it, one of the signs can be vomiting, can also be weight loss, excitability, things like that. But there's also some other things that we'd want to go looking at. And um, I probably also want to get some pictures of his tummy and get some x-rays, making sure we don't see anything that's um, out of position or any kind of organ enlargement. Because there are some things that we might pick up on x-rays as well. Um, okay. Now, if if all of the tests have come up negative and we've you know ruled out things with blood, we've done urine tests, we've done X-rays, maybe even an ultrasound. If all of those things in the diagnostic workup looks completely healthy and and we're all scratching our heads and going, there's there's nothing showing here, there's not, no clues. There are some things that can be chronic GI GI diseases in cats that um, can be a little bit hard to detect with these normal methods. And those are things of the inflammatory bowel disease nature. Um, so like people get IBS, where you get all, a whole gamut of symptoms from cramping, diarrhea, um, that cats can actually get a similar form of this, where they get an inflammation that affects their parts of their digestive tract. Sometimes it can be just the stomach, sometimes the small intestine, or throughout their whole gut. And that can cause a problem with uh, things such as vomiting, uh, can cause weight loss, it can cause uh, bloating, diarrhea, things of those natures. So inflammatory bowel disease is a little bit hard to detect, and in many cases it requires things like biopsies. Inflammatory bowel disease also kind of overlaps with food allergies. And um, the food that you're using right now certainly sounds like a pretty good diet, um, and I yeah. don't blame you for trying that. But one other thing you can investigate and try is to try a hypoallergenic diet and go to something that is um, a little bit geared towards pets with food allergies. 
any cats or some good ones out there, you can try um, duck and potato-based diets. Um, there's venison, uh, green pea diets, things like that, which are kind of novel proteins, something the pet has never seen before. And that may, um, for a pet with a food allergy, it may be accepted a little bit more readily. They may have less reaction and might, you know, have less vomiting as a result. Okay. And some some cats, even those conditions, the inflammatory bowel disease, food allergies, all of that can be on a transition, and we can actually see a type of a cancer come on. So hopefully that's not the situation for Max, um, but they can have intestinal problems with a disease called lymphoma. So um, if you've had kind of those first-round tests done, you know, it might be time to decide if you're ready to, you know, look into some of those other options and try to rule those out or, or try something like a, a food trial and see if that might help them out. Well, I'll, I'll try both. I'll try the, uh, the taking it back to the vet if you don't think that's overdoing it, and then I'll change his food again if that's not a problem. Yeah, and, and I think definitely, you know, anything we can do for our pets to, to help them out, and, and I would definitely want to make sure I validate your concerns because, you know, you know your pet best, and, you know, this vomiting definitely is notable. Um, and that's an abnormality. And uh, we want to make sure Max is in good health. So um, I would definitely revisit the issue with your veterinarian. And then uh, let's try maybe a little diet change and see if that gets you on the right track. I certainly will. Thanks for okay. your call. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, guys. Bye. It could all be in the food. And it's so amazing because a lot of people, once you get them over to a new food, you know, things like their activity improve. You know, they don't seem cranky. You might not have as much gas, things like that. So, yeah, it really makes a huge difference. Ask your vet. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live green is best for you, your family, and that includes your pets. Hey, Julie, you have to get one of these return WAP pet tags for Daisy. Last week, Max got lost and was back home in just two hours. Really? How does it work? It's simple. Each pet tag has a unique ID number, which is linked to your name and number. If Daisy ever gets lost, the finder just calls Return WAS 1-800 number. It's totally safe, confidential, and rewarding. Check out www.returnmypets.com. Don't delay. Protect your pet today at www.returnmypets.com. Did you know that dogs can get worm infections just from eating grass and that those same parasites can also infect humans? Ew, gross. Thank goodness there's a safe and easy way to eliminate and prevent the major worms that infect dogs. Safeguard K90 Wormer. Just sprinkle it on your dog's food twice a year. And that's it? Yep. For more information, visit www.safe-guard.com. That's S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D.com. It's the best way I know to protect my dog and my family against intestinal worm infections. Animal Radio is being brought to you by the American Red Cross, providing you with information and training to protect the dogs and cats you love. For more information, visit redcross.org or petcentric.com, a proud supporter of the American Red Cross. Listen to the news. Two dogs rescued from a locked car. Emergencies can happen anywhere, anytime. They can even affect your pets. In other news, a local policeman saved a cat today. Being prepared and knowing what to do can be the difference between life or death for you and your pets. The same Red Cross you know and trust is the leader in pet first aid preparation and education. Look for dog or cat first aid guidebooks with DVDs online at redcrossstore.org or contact your local Red Cross chapter for more information. The Red Cross is helping protect our pets. 
Every year, there are millions of pets in animal shelters across the country just waiting for a loving home. I'm Mike Farrell with a very simple message. If you're thinking of getting a pet, please adopt. To easily locate your closest place to adopt, call Pets 911 toll-free at 1-888-PETS-911. It's easy, it's free, and it gives a pet a second chance at life. Together, we can ensure a better future for our pets. For adoptable pet listings in your community, go to Pets911.com. Pets911, proud to be partnered with Animal Radio. Hello, animal lovers. Vinny Penn, the party animal, back with you on Animal Radio. All right. So recently I did the tried and true horse and buggy ride for, I don't know, I'd say the seventh or eighth time in my life. I remember the first time I did the horse and buggy ride. Of course, it was in New York. And as a little boy, I mean, it was just a real coup for me. Maybe I was in a cowboy phase and I don't remember. I I don't know. I just, this animal was majestic to me. And just hearing it clop, clop, clop down New York streets was, was really something else to me. I mean, I mean, I literally vividly remember this. Well, it has not been memorable since. Even times when I took horse and buggy rides through Central Park with really good looking girls all snuggled under a blanket with me. Uh, one of the worst was when a girl just went on a tirade about how convinced she was that this animal was being mistreated. She could not enjoy this ride because she was certain the rider, as pleasant as he was and as prepared as he was to regale us with tales of New York City, she was sure was beating this horse. Or at the very least, the horse just wasn't happy with its present employment. I don't know. It ruined it for me. One, because I didn't, re- you know, I, I certainly wouldn't want to believe that to be true. I'm an animal lover, as all, all of you are who are tuned in here. And two, because I knew then that this wasn't really turning her on and nothing good was going to happen afterwards or what I'd really hoped for during uh, uh, and every other time since then in a romantic sense, the, the woman's never really been all that taken by uh, the, the scenes or the horse rider or, or anything. Plus the riders kind of never shut up. The most recent one was at, uh, was in, in mystic Connecticut, uh, at a place called the mystic seaport. Uh, for those of you who might be so interested, a lot of history there. Uh, it's a really beautiful part of Connecticut And again, as I said, a lot of history and just uh, a a day of fun to be had there. And what's really cool about the horse and buggy ride we did there was we went with my sister, my brother-in-law, the missus, and all of the kids. So you had four cousins. You you know, you had two sets of cousins uh, on the ride. Um, My sister and my wife spent the entire ride uh, discussing where they would have dinner. Even though we were 20 minutes out of lunch, they were already discussing, should we go, should it be seafood? Do you think that the kids might want pizza? They spent the entire ride discussing what was next on the menu. My brother-in-law enjoyed it at the very least because he's a history buff. And as I've said, that that's, Mystic is just entrenched in history uh, and, and and so he was just taken by the woman who was riding, who was uh giving us the tour at the little history lesson she was giving us. And little Joe was just this beautiful horse, and you knew he was being treated well. You know he's a part of the Mystic Seaport family. So I didn't have that hanging over my head. But when the most excitement it it gleans from the children is them passing by one of little Joel's bowel movements from earlier in the day, you know that the horse and buggy ride is lost on today's youth. Vinnie Penn. Animal Radio, Party Animal.
on Animal Radio, that is. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Is Animal Radio's pet career special? Boy, learning a lot today. Huh? There's other careers than being a, a radio host for a animal show, I'm finding out. Plenty of them. And of course, more and more as the industry becomes bigger and bigger. But one that's been around for a while that's now certified, you could actually find certified pet sitters. How would you like to be a certified pet sitter? This is a home-based business. You'll be working with the animals all day long. That would be fun. We have the executive director of NAPS. Now, that's the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. Is that correct? That's correct. Felicia Lambesis? That's correct. You even said my name correctly. I applaud you. Actually, (laughs) I had to research it, and I've been practicing during the last break. I aced it. I there aced you it. Go. You did. About being a pet sitter, is this something that's for anybody that loves animals? No, I think that's really a misconception that it's for anybody that loves animals because people do need to understand that when other people are working uh, or actually when other people are at play and not working on the weekend and, and nights, uh, they may in fact be working. So it's really not a career for everyone. Uh, you know, the love of animals is not is not the only requirement. Oh, so if you love your weekends or you love your evenings, it may not be uh, the perfect job for you. It may not be the perfect job for you, but all of our pets certainly love the job that they have. Now, how long has NAPS been around? NAPS has been around for about 11 or 12 years. Wow. What does it encapsulate? Obviously, you have a certification for pet sitters. You have you teaching. You have uh, business advice. What What is it all about? Well, most people really join NAPS for two very important things, and that uh, first important thing would be the insurance because it's very difficult to obtain pet sitter insurance at a reasonable rate without belonging to a professional association Mm -hmm. like NAPS. Now, what is pet sitter insurance? Well, just like any other business, a pet Mm -hmm. sitter needs to carry liability and bonding insurance. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. I'm just learning this for the first time. I hope you don't mind if I take a few notes as you talk. No, please do. The other thing that's very important to our pet sitters is that we have a pet sitter locator both on our website and through an 800 number so that someone who is looking for a pet sitter can uh, look for a pet sitter by researching a pet sitters in their zip code. And this works both ways. So if you're not even considering a career, changing your career now, you love that insurance job and uh, right. pushing the pencil, but you, <laughs> you, you want to take off for the weekend and you're looking for a pet sitter, uh, you can go to the website, petsitters.org, and find a pet sitter, one of these certified pet sitters. Absolutely. Okay, I love it. I just want to make sure everybody's informed here. What about education? Can you tell me more things? Does NAPS t- teach its... I, I guess members. Members, members. yeah, okay. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We do. We have an annual. We have an annual conference whereby we bring together some very uh, well-known people, both in the business field because you're running a business, so you need business skills, as well as people in uh, pet care and pet behavior. We also uh, conduct a monthly teleconference that has an important subject to pet sitters. You know, it might be something on cat behavior or dog behavior or how to market your how to market your business. We've had, you know, people from the IRS conduct business uh, mm-hmm. teleconferences and we've had people in the marketing field conduct marketing teleconferences and we've had of course people in cat behavior, dog behavior or, or even, you know, on exotics. So, we do provide 
provide a lot of uh, assistance to our members. Is this something that would just provide extra income, or could I quit my day job? Uh, actually, both. There are people that just do it as extra income, and there are people that uh, do it do it as their day job. And, you know, they might sit in an office and not really do any pet sitting at all, but actually hire uh, people to do the pet sitting for them. What are the startup costs involved? Are there? Uh, the startup costs really are are limited. Um, they're they're not huge. Uh, you know, we help our members with you know some marketing information so that they can get themselves marketed at a, a limited cost. We provide them with business forms, which are the various forms they'll need to conduct their business that they probably never even thought about uh, that they would need. We have you know a business plan that they can download and use. So we really you know limit those costs for the member who's just beginning to get into pet sitting, and and we provide. Some support for those more established pet sitters as well through our, you know, various educational, you know, opportunities. Okay, get ready to write this website down, www.petsitters.org, to learn more about becoming a pet sitter, getting certified, or to find a pet sitter in your area by your zip code. It's petsitters.org, not hard to remember, but remember that everything you've heard on today's show Uh, We have links at AnimalRadio.com. Felicia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Hello, I'm Kay Brown reporting for Animal Radio. A koala that cheated death after being hit at high speed on a northern Australian highway and then dragged for nearly eight miles is expected to make a full recovery. Veterinarians from the Wildlife Hospital set up by the late Steve Irwin said the three-year-old koala, nicknamed Eli Lucky Grills, survived the ordeal because his head became trapped in the front grill of the vehicle. The motorist that hit him didn't even know about his iconic hitchhiker until he was flagged down by another driver. A newborn red panda rejected by its mother in Amsterdam's Artis Zoo has been saved by a motherly cat. Red pandas are much smaller than the giant Chinese black and white pandas and extremely rare. Faced with losing the precious newborn, staff introduced the baby panda to the zoo's domestic moggy and the kind-hearted cat allowed the little raccoon-like panda to suckle alongside her own four kittens. Well, you can forget what you've heard about cockroaches being the world's greatest survivor if you ask the 350 scientists from 36 countries gathered in Australia this week the humble roundworm will outlast all other life forms. Molecular biologists say that despite the humble compost worm having just 302 nerves, the nematode learns through smell what is safe to eat and what isn't, and they're trying to create an artificial worm nose as an early warning of potential food decay. A new survey has found that size is not the best indicator when considering whether a dog might attack, with small hounds such as dachshunds being much more likely to attack other dogs or strangers compared with breeds like pit bulls, rottweilers and other macho breeds. Researchers asked the owners of 30 dog breeds to assess how their pet responded to a variety of common stimuli and situations. They found that dachshunds, chihuahuas and Jack Russell terriers topped the list for aggressiveness, while Brittany spaniels, greyhounds and whippets were the most easygoing. Two families who had given up hope of finding their pets lost more than five years ago are celebrating this week. 
The Velarches family in New York City couldn't believe their luck when they got a call saying that their beagle, Rocco, had turned up 850 miles away in a shelter at Hinesville in Georgia. Meantime, a collie called Bo that disappeared from the Muella family in Chicago more than five years ago was picked up as a stray 85 miles away in the town of Rockford, Illinois. In both cases, the dogs were identified by microchip and luckily the families hadn't moved house. And lastly, a man in Montreal is trying to work out a way to cook doggy doos into doggy dollars. Jim Fares is part of a volunteer group that looks after the Notre Dame de Grasse dog park and the waste left behind by happy visitors, all 2,800 pounds of it. Fares bought a toaster oven and heated some samples over a two- to three-week period, killing off potential pathogens but ending up with useless dust. However, Fares says he's convinced if he keeps trying, he'll find the right way to cook the dog poo into viable compost and make a buck doing it. That's our Pet News Wrap-Up. I'm Kay Brown, reporting for Animal Radio. For more information, go to pettalkradio.com.au. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. Hi, this is Shelley Morrison from Willing Grace, and I'm on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets. Please. Celebrating our connection with our pets from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. I just got back from the auto repair shop, and I don't know. I think I got ripped off. Uh oh. Surprise at an auto repair shop? Well, you know, like every other business, there's crooked people, people that are doing things for the wrong motive. There's people in radio that are like that. There's people at your local dry cleaners that are like that. And guess what? There's even veterinarians that most of them that I find do things for the right reasons. But occasionally you'll run into that one doctor. It's all up to you to pick the right veterinarian. There's telltale signs, and we're going to find out what those are. How do you pick a veterinarian? We pulled Dr. Louise Murray back on Animal. Welcome back to Animal Radio, Doctor. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. Director of Medicine at the ASPCA's Berg Memorial Hospital. You've written a brand new book, an awesome book, and we'll talk about that in just one second here. How do we pick a vet? How do we know our vet's on the level and he's a good vet? You know, for me, it's not so much about being on the level because I really do believe or choose to believe that vets' hearts are generally in the right place. For me, it's more about are they keeping up with the latest knowledge? Are they keeping up with the latest technology? You know, is the practice keeping up? Is everything ship-shape at the practice? Are things being done properly? You know, there's a lot of disparity in veterinary medicine, just like in other professions, as you mentioned. And I think a lot of times in this world, the fact that different businesses may practice differently and some may practice at a higher level isn't necessarily because of some evil intention, but maybe just because you know, people do things differently. Some people are a little bit more perfectionist than others. Some mm-hmm. people put a little bit more energy into keeping up. And so I like to think that it's, you know, it's not necessarily intentional, but it still matters a lot to your pet because it can be a life or death difference to your pet, mm-hmm. which veterinarian you pick. Well, now, for me, the lay person, when I walk into a veterinarian's mm-hmm. office, I, I can't immediately tell if he's gone to the latest courses. Exactly. I, I, what are the telltale signs? How can I tell whether or not he's keeping up and he's doing the right things? And you bring up a really important point, and I will definitely answer your question. I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I think the very, very important thing that you said is that what compelled me to write this book, and I was literally compelled because I certainly didn't feel like I had the time or the energy. I just felt like I have to do this because... 
it became obvious to me over the years that people do not know how to judge the veterinary care they're receiving or how to pick the best veterinary practice. And I've seen too many pets where this made a difference in their well-being that their owners didn't have the information that they needed to help them take care of their pets. And so in terms of how do you choose a veterinary practice, there are a number of parameters. As you know, I have them all listed in the book and way too much stuff to talk about right now. But just a few things that are really easy. One thing that is a great clue is the equipment that they have. And you might think, well, why would the equipment be important? Isn't the person's soul more important or their gentle manner? But honestly, one of the reasons the equipment is so important is because it's a very, very good clue as to whether the practice is keeping up and practicing the latest techniques and also whether they have the equipment that might save your pet's life. So, for example, does the practice have what's called a pulse oximeter, which, which measures the pet's oxygen level when they're under anesthesia? I would, see, I wouldn't know what one looked like. Do I actually ask you the know, doctor that? Yeah, well, that's the thing. The, the way I've done it in the book, and it's, I've made it really simple for people, I don't want people to feel like, oh, my gosh, it's so complicated. Do I have to go to vet school to understand this? I've literally written little lists, just grocery lists of questions you can ask. You don't even really have to understand all about the equipment, though I think I've explained it pretty clearly. You literally can just call up the practice. You're picking between a few practices in your town and say, do you have blood pressure equipment there? Mm. Can you measure my dog's blood pressure? Do you have a pulse oximeter? You know, they know what, they know what a pulse oximeter is. And this is something that the equipment that I list is nothing fancy. I don't want people to get the impression like, oh, my gosh, she wants me to have a vet that has an MRI, which certainly some <laughs> vets do, but most don't. Blood pressure equipment is very rudimentary, not expensive at all. Pulse oximeters, a simple little piece of machinery. It's just a little clip that goes on the pet's ear or on their lip or on their toe, measures the oxygen level, just like you see the people in the hospital with a little thing on their finger. Not invasive, not an expensive piece of equipment. can be life-saving for your pet. So there's a few different kinds of equipment you want to make sure they have. Like I said, A, it gives you a clue about the level of medicine being practiced at the, at the hospital. B, those pieces of equipment that I list could save your pet's life. These are things you need to have when your pet is sick or even when your pet is well and getting spayed or something like that. And then also I think it's just a good way to make sure that they have, you know, it's sort of like a benchmark for the other kinds of things they might have at the practice. So really good, easy question to ask. And there's lots of other questions, too, that are very easy for people to ask and can give you a world of information. Would my vet be offended if I asked to take a tour of the facility before I choose him as my vet? You know, what, what, I, what I've mentioned in the book and I think is really important for people to realize is that you don't want a vet who would be offended by that question. Sure. You know, the kind of, of client that is so wonderful to have as a veterinarian is a client who cares about their pet. That's the kind of client that allows us to practice good medicine, that is willing to let us take good care of their pet and do what's needed. That's a dream client, the kind of client who says to me, do you have this equipment? Can I tour your facility? You know, what's your philosophy on pain medication for animals? You know, do you wear sterile gloves when you're performing surgery? I think this is a wonderful person. I wish that every dog and cat could have someone like this taking care of them. And so if there's a vet who would be offended... You know, I would look for a different vet. I think that vets should welcome that kind of a client who cares enough to ask. Day in and day out, we get calls. People say, my vet said this, and I really don't understand what they mean. Yeah. I think that's the first and most essential thing. If you don't understand, you need to be able to ask. And if yes. they can't explain, yes. new vet. Exactly. And I think communication, like you said, is key. And you want a vet who not only can answer your questions so that you understand them, but who is willing to answer your questions, who welcomes the fact that you're someone who, once again, cares enough to ask the questions. And so you definitely want a vet that you feel like you guys can really communicate and you can get the answers that you need. 
Well, sometimes the questions don't come up until, you know, an emergency happens mm-hmm. or yeah. your pet has to stay overnight. Then all yeah. of a sudden you wonder, you know, is somebody going to be there? Yeah. You know, who is there mm-hmm. someone checking on the animal during the night? These right. are some of the questions I think you should ask when choosing yeah. a vet. Exactly. And that's the thing is that. Uh, one of the purposes of the book was to try to have people be prepared because what I see all too often, and it honestly just breaks my heart, is someone who has a sick pet who is suddenly in a crisis, and all of a sudden, you know, they're looking for good care. They realize that their animal is being left alone at night, but now the pet's already sick, and you know, they're they're driving around the city trying to find a place where their pet's going to get good overnight care or is going to get the procedure that they need by a good person or whatever it might be that that pet needs. And just as you said, that is not the time to figure it out. You know, when you're choosing your vet and when you're making a plan for whatever your pet needs, whether it's for wellness or for illness, you want to you want to be prepared ahead of time, and that's exactly I think what you were you know, the point that you were making. What about the age old controversy about pets staying overnight? Do you mean because people want their pet to be home with them? Well, I, I the doctors asked me to leave my pet overnight before, but I know at five o'clock he checks out. Well, you know, and that's one of the the very first question on my list is. Is someone there overnight with pets who are in the hospital? Okay. And it doesn't mean that, by the way, a veterinarian who doesn't have anyone there overnight can't be a good vet for you to use as a general practitioner when your pet is well. You know, go in and get shots and checkups and heartworm tests and things like that. But you don't want to use a practice where there's nobody there at night, whether it's a veterinarian or a licensed technician, when a pet is being kept there overnight, especially a pet who is ill. Now, you know, a pet who has a splint or something, and they say we need to keep him in a cage for one night so he won't move around too much, I suppose, you know, that's, that's okay because that pet is, is a very stable pet. But a pet who's being kept in the hospital because they're sick or because they're severely injured or because they're post-operative, that pet needs someone to be there with them. They're almost otherwise, honestly, safer at home. Now, some vets have their technicians do a lot of procedures. Are these technicians licensed, or is that something you should ask? Well, that's one of the questions that I list in State by state, it varies. In many states, it is legally required that technicians be licensed, and that's basically sort of like a you know basically like a registered nurse. They go to college to become a licensed technician. They have all kinds of exams and proficiency exams and skills that they learn. And you do want to ask first. You want to check if in your state technicians are required to be licensed. But even if they're not required, every state does have licensed technicians. Every state has colleges where technicians can become licensed, you know, for veterinary medicine. And so it's vastly preferable if the practice you use does employ licensed technicians, particularly for things like anesthesia, mm-hmm. injections, you know, things that, that could make a difference to your pet's life if someone does the anesthesia properly, if they inject the right dose of insulin, you know, something where there's really no room for error at all. Is there an accreditation for veterinary hospitals or veterinarians? Yes. So there's a group called AHA, the American Association of Animal Hospitals, and the American Animal Hospital Association, excuse me, and they accredit animal hospitals, but it's a voluntary accreditation. In other words, you don't have to have your animal hospital accredited. You can graduate from school in whatever state or country you're from, you know, get a license to practice in the United States or, you know, in the state that you're going to practice in and just hang up your shingle. And you don't ha- you're not required to have any particular equipment. You're not required to have any particular staff, you know, into... If you want to make sure that there is certain equipment, that there is certain record keeping, for example, that the paperwork is all in order and things like that, that there are certain standards of practice, the AHA, A-A-H-A, certification is really helpful. It's incredibly rigorous. They go to the hospital, and it's, it's, like a, it's, it's like a serious final exam for the hospital. I mean, pages and pages and pages of checklists. 
And if the hospital doesn't meet all of the standards, you know, they get a grade, then they have to revamp things and, and try again. And so, listen, there are wonderful hospitals that are not AHA accredited. So I'm not trying to say that a hospital that's not accredited isn't a great place. But it's a good place to start if you're not sure, you know, how to narrow down the list. If the hospital is AHA accredited, you know that they've met an incredibly rigorous standard, and that's a really good starting point. Okay, and we'll link to the AHA accredited hospitals at AnimalRadio.com. I want to talk about the book real fast. It's called Vet Confidential, an insider's guide to protecting your pet's health. It is awesome. Let me say that first of all. Thank you. Uh, sometimes it takes a lot of guts to put out a book like this. Yeah. It's it's bottom line. It tells you how to pick a vet. It also tells you uh, many more things about bottom line health issues that you may and probably will deal with with your pet through his lifetime or her lifetime. Dr. Louise Murray is the author. She's the director of medicine at the ASPCA's Berg Memorial Animal Hospital. I have 10 copies to give out. Is that correct, Judy? Yes, we do. Nine copies. I'm keeping Nine. that one. Okay. Yes, that's mine. <laughs> that's your library copy. one 405 Now, this is on Valentine Books, so you can get this just about anywhere. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your local bookstore can order it, and it's a must-have for your library. Vet Confidential, an insider's guide to protecting your pet's health. Doctor, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by Return Moi Pet Tag. Protect your cat or dog this summer with Return Moi Pet Tag. Over 90% of lost pets with Return Moi Pet Tags reunite with their owners. Don't delay. Protect your pet today at www.ReturnMyPets.com. Listen to the news. Two dogs rescued from a locked car. Emergencies can happen anywhere, anytime. They can even affect your pets. In other news, a local policeman saved a cat today. Being prepared and knowing what to do can be the difference between life or death for you and your pets. The same Red Cross you know and trust is the leader in pet first aid preparation and education. Look for dog or cat first aid guidebooks with DVDs online at redcrossstore.org or contact your local Red Cross chapter for more information. The Red Cross is helping protect our pets. Every once in a while, there comes along a special group of animal lovers that stands strongly in defense of the voiceless. Animal People is that newspaper for people who really care about the animals. Animal People is published ten times yearly. The publisher is a nonprofit corporation dedicated to exposing the existence of cruelty to animals and to informing and educating you so that animal lovers worldwide can eliminate such cruelty. Your subscription is $24 a year and is 100% tax deductible. Get Animal People's fair and accurate investigative reporting from the industry watchdog. Visit our website at www.animalpeoplenews.org. That's www.animalpeoplenews.org to subscribe to the news for people who care about animals. Animal People. Subscribe today at www.animalpeoplenews.org. You want to keep a secret from your dog? It's the new fish sticks from Canine Caviar. They're good for your dog's teeth, gums, and also his achy joints. And fish sticks from Canine Caviar are 100% natural, completely digestible, and contain no chemical preservatives, additives, or fillers, and they're low in calories. But don't tell your dog that. All they care about is that they taste good. Get your dog fish sticks at CanineCaviar.com. That's www.CanineCaviar.com. It's Animal Radio, don't forget. Our live broadcast August 23rd from the 
Los Angeles casting of It's Me or the Dog. All the details at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, who is this? Hey, uh, this is Randy. Hey, Randy, how you doing? Uh, pretty good. Where are you calling from? I'm in Mississippi. I'm a truck driver. I'm headed home uh, to Alabama. Heading home. Okay, what's on your mind, Randy? I was riding down the road, and I seen this dog going across the road, uh, trying to get <laughs> uh, on his uh, butt. Uh, trying to get something out of his butt, and I looked, and it was a diaper sticking out. He had eaten trying a diaper? To, yeah, it was a big diaper hanging out of his butt, trying to scra- uh, scrape it out. And, uh, man, I, I've thought about that over and over. It was so funny. Uh, I couldn't could imagine how he got that diaper inside of him. <laughs> Did you stop to help? No. <laughs> I just uh, sat there and laughed about it. <laughs> well, there you go. Good pet lover there, huh? Yeah. I got, it was about a long time ago, but I, I still remember that. Uh, Except you don't see every day. No, it isn't. But I'll tell you, if I saw you on the side of the road with a diaper sticking out of your butt, I'd probably at least uh, call someone to help you. <laughs> yeah, that, that was some sad to see. I, I, it tickled me to, just to see that uh, happening. Well, Randy, we appreciate your call today. You drive carefully there now, okay? Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'll do that then. Uh, uh, y'all giving away something? Uh, some Maybe, Alpo? Yeah, I believe. Uh, Judy, do we have any more of those dial tones? Yeah, and Guido, I'd like to go over the screening criteria. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Amsterdam, a zookeeper's house cat has adopted a baby red panda and is nursing the cub along with her own kittens. A spokesperson from the Artist Zoo explained that two red panda cubs were abandoned by their mother for some reason, leaving them alone in the cold. The zoo stepped in and put the cubs in an incubator where one was too weak and died. The other was adopted by a cat who had just given birth to kittens. Red pandas are an endangered species who look more like a raccoon than a giant panda. They mature to just a bit bigger than a house cat. So the zoo plans to let the cub nurse with his cat family for a few months before bringing out some bamboo and fruit. I'm not thinking he'll have to fight with his kitten siblings for that meal. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. There's lots of reasons to need a urine odor and stain remover. Your dog's afraid of thunderstorms. Cat hates being alone. You've moved into a new house. But there's only one reason to buy Urinoff, because it actually works. Urinoff's high-performance formula gets to the source of the problem and removes it permanently, even cat urine. Many odor removers claim to work, but thousands of loyal Urinoff customers, even vets, swear by it. If urine odor is a problem in your home, reach for Urinoff, the odor remover that actually works. Available exclusively at www.urinoff.com or your local vet. Friendly magazine. Perhaps you can do without it, but for Kibble's sake, think of your dog. At last, a voice for us traveling canines. Until now, few have taken mobile pooches seriously. After all, who appreciates warm shelter and a comfy bed more than a dog? Fido Friendly, the travel magazine for you and your dog. A quarterly guide to Fido Friendly accommodations in the United States and Canada. Because if Fido ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Subscribe at FidoFriendly.com. Your dog will thank you. The Animal Minute is brought to you by Urinoff, the number one vet-recommended urine odor and stain remover. To purchase, visit www.urinoff.com.
you're off. Finally, something that works. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets as we do every weekend. Doctor Debbie answering your questions in just a few minutes. Your medical questions right now. It is the world famous Russian dog wizard. He answers your questions every week. Your dog behavior questions, and we go to the phones. Hi, who is this? Hey, this is Matt Terry. Matt, you are on with Vlade. Hey, how's it going, Matt? Today? Good, 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 Matt. Where are you from? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, Atlanta, Georgia, from Sovereign. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, what is your question? I just uh, no, I wanted to uh, thank you for the advice uh, you gave me with uh, with my puppy uh, about a month ago. Uh, everything uh, worked extremely well. <laughs> thank you. I would like, we would love to hear. I think my boss, Hale, needs to hear it, too. He's like KGB. He always, like, you know, scanning this type of things. And after tells me, or oh, good boy, or, or good boy, or, or I... <laughs> Okay, yeah. thank you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. The one thing is, is common. When the Vladi talks, people listen, and our phone is always off hook. I believe it's off hook right now. Hi, who's this? This is Butch Mueller. Hi, Butch. How you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. Where Where are you calling from? Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. You are on with Vladi. Okay. Hi, Butch. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Good, thank good, you. good. Good, good. What uh, is your problem? Ronnie, the problem I got is I have a five-year-old Maldi poo. And what? we can, a five-year-old multi-poo. Ah, okay, multi-poo, okay. Right, and we cannot housebreak him, mm-hmm. no matter what we try to do. He's becoming, okay, tell me what you try. Well, we've tried the cages. Well, when we first okay. got him as a puppy, we had him housebroke, mm-hmm. and we had no problems. He was going outside. When when your problems reoccur? Uh, well, we moved from that house, and we bought another dog for a companion for him. Okay. And from that time on, he'll he'll do all of his bladder problems inside. His bowel problems, he'll do outside. Okay. So I, I, I can tell you right, just 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 like that. You don't have any house housebreaking problems. You have a marking problems. Um, if this dog is male and another dog is male, or how it goes? That's correct. Both males. Okay. Both males. If another dog has a problem or no? If what? If another dog has peeing problem. No. No, the other dog no. is no problem. Okay. How you know the first one? You are not the witness when he pee, or he did, he's not being oh, in your we presence? Can, we witness him doing it. I mean, he, oh, it's sorry. just like for spite. I mean, he'll go okay. outside and come in and not be in here five minutes and do it. Okay. And he's peeing in different spots of the house, or he has a... Uh, different, uh, different spots different. in every room. And vertical objects, or he's just a little bit everywhere? Right. Okay. So, okay. I got it. So what we're going to do with you, so let's talk, talk about your dog's personality. It's a Maltese uh, with the uh, poodle. Poodle, so, right. Yeah. So as a Maltese, Maltese is my second favorite uh, uh, on, on, out of the small um, 
breeds. They are very great pets. Uh, combination with poodle will make it um, treacherously s- over smart and manipulative. You know, manipulative means. I know exactly what it means because he's definitely. Oh, yeah. that. It's a wife. Wives learns to do that eventually if they're successful. That's what it means. So that dog can convince you about anything uh, and make you think it was, uh, you know, your idea. Right. Um, so what we're going to do with you, we're going to diminish the social status of your multi-poo. By doing this, what I mean by that, I want you put the collar and leash on your dog, and I want you two, three times per day, routinely, walk your dog around your house. You don't need to go outside, just put the leash and collar, say, let's go. The what wants go, doesn't want go, I forgot to ask him. Just say, let's go, walk him around, walk him around, walk him around, especially in the area where he likes to pee and poop. After that, I want you to put him in the sit-stay and down-stay everywhere, especially in the area where he likes to market, mark territory. Basically, sit-stay, down-stay, and make sure at least 10, 15 seconds the dog stays. Now, I would like you to... Uh, clean all areas, all areas where before he peed with the product which is enzyme based. I'm not here to promote any c- products, but I gotta tell you from my experience, there are several of them as the great. Number one, number one would be not just number one because just just a couple of them are equally great. Petastic, petastic. Second would be simple solution, simple and un- simple solution and anti poo. So I love those products. Uh, don't use any other products because uh, unless it has enzyme base, otherwise you just mask the problem. You don't eliminate the problem. So by doing this, you really will uh, take off uh, take the, off the bad smell, bad scent, which maybe you don't you don't uh, smell. Your dog may smell, and it will really help the, keep the dog away from that area. After that, I would like to put some obedience training on your dog. Will diminish his social position, and after that, I will crate him every time in the small crate when I can supervise him. And remember. If for three consecutive weeks you are not be your dog will not be able to pee in your home, he will he will rid of these habits. I guarantee you. Just three weeks. Make sure supervise your dog on that. If you can supervise, put in the crate. If he pees in you, in um, if he pee in your present, use shaking can, drop on the floor, make the sound, startle the dog. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. I sure appreciate it. This is a reality show, and I tell the people truth as it is. I do understand maybe somebody gets mad. What I say, um, I never try or trying to please everyone. Um, because if I will try to do that, I would never be bloody, and I would, lo- I would lose my sleep. But I'm not going to lose my sleep over that. Um, common s- truth is always easy identifiable, because it always has sense and base and logic. And with this logic, I will going to continue to educate and entertain American pet owners with the love um, and balance that love with the discipline and, of course, with affection. We'll talk to you the next time.
This is Animal Radio Network. Network.